of Allah, the Beneficent, the Merciful, I'd like to welcome you all to the second episode of the Qazwini Brothers podcast. We'd like to thank everyone who's been tuning in and joining us. Uh, my name is Sayyid Muhammad Rila Qazwini, and with me today is my dear elder brother, the knowledgeable Sayyid Jawad Qazwini. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah, dear, dear viewers. Uh, thank you for joining us. It's a pleasure to be here and spend some time with you. Uh, I also would like to thank the brothers and sisters who have submitted their questions ahead and uh, be sure that we will be taking those questions inshallah today and for those who DM'd their questions uh, as far as if we could have uh, taken your question then, uh, or, or we could have seen your question on time then uh, your question will also uh, will try to answer the questions from the DM as well. Uh, however, what I would like to add uh, briefly just before we get started is uh, if you can ask your question publicly, I would like you to do so because there are people who are putting the same exact question in the comment section and there are others who are DMing those questions. And uh, we have very limited volunteers that are able to read the DMs, get your, you know, and then filter those questions, send those questions to us. Uh, so please, please uh, try to uh, save us some time when it comes to do that. Today we're going to be discussing pet ownership, say it. Um, according to a survey conducted by the American Pet Association, uh, over 67% of American households own a pet. So this is not only a relevant topic, but something that's going on right now. Uh, today we'll be talking about several main points. We'll be talking about um, the discussion regarding pet ownership in Muslim households. We'll be talking about hadiths regarding pet ownership. We'll be talking about the effects of pet ownership on children. Um, we'll talk about kindness to animals and animal rights. And we'll be talking about dogs as pets. And finally, we'll end with uh, the discussion of exotic pets. So let's start off, Sayed, by talking about the first point here. Um, what do you think of when it comes to the discussion of having pets in Muslim households? How do you think it starts off? A'udhu billahi min ash-shaytan ar-rajim. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Wa salatu wa salamu ala muhammadin wa alayhi al-tahirin. I believe that, um, like you said, uh, the numbers of individuals who own pets living in the United States is very high. Uh, more than half the American households, according to what you just told us, right. uh, have pets at home. Uh, so when kids go to school uh, growing up, uh, they end up uh, talking to their parents about having pets at yeah. home, owning pets at home. In fact, a lot of the questions that we got today of people uh, DMing us, telling us that, um, you know, we want to have pets, uh, especially dogs, inshallah, we're going to be talking about that. Right. At home, is that allowed? Is that not allowed? Our kids are, are, are really, uh, you know, uh, driving us crazy wanting pets. So I think it's a discussion that people end up having with their children mm -hmm. early on. And uh, parents usually will refuse. Uh, right. That's just usually how it is with uh, people in our community, I think. Yeah. Because, uh, one, they probably 
their children are probably enough headache for them. Uh, they're a handful. Uh, you know, they're occupying their entire time. So uh, they really won't be able to make time for pets. Number two is probably lack of space. I mean, a lot of people uh, don't have, you know, they, they live in uh, limited space in smaller homes and it's just good enough for them right. to occupy them. And usually you feel very bad if you have an animal inside the house that's, you know, in a cage 24 seven. Right. Um, further, I think is uh, people thinking of the expenses, right? Yeah, you definitely. Know, I have three kids, four kids, five kids. Uh, or even one and uh, I have to spend on them yeah. and you know I don't want to be bringing another two or three pets and that's an extra expense um, so par parents usually end up uh, really focusing on the cons and not the pros of right. make of asking themselves is it really worth it for me to spend that extra money and time bring a pet at home and because of the fact that it has amazing effects on my child and my child's psychology and their upbringing. So I think that's how the discussion starts, ends up, ends up starting in, in Muslim households. Yeah. Well, um, I'd have to agree with that. You know, I grew up watching a cartoon called Clifford. It was about a big red dog. So I just always wanted a dog at home. And obviously for many reasons, I was never allowed to have one. Um, right now we, we own a bird, a beautiful cockatiel named Polly. We love him. Everyone at home loves him. He loves us. And um, so kind of getting to experience how owning a pet feels. Um, what are some hadiths regarding pet ownership? Um, there are many a hadith. I mean, uh, as you know, we have the biggest hadith encyclopedia and, and for the followers of Ahl al-Bayt in Shia Islam is a book by the name of Bihal al-Anwar right. or another book called Wasa'il al-Shia. Those are, I mean, Bihal al-Anwar is 110 volumes written by Alam al-Majlisi. Obviously not all the hadith in Bihal al-Anwar are meant to be valid or, 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 or real traditions, accurate traditions. However, it's uh, Alam al-Majlisi just gathered all the traditions right so you will find an entire volume that basically talks about horses mm. you will find an entire volume that take talks about she uh, sheep and cows you will find an, uh, an entire volume talking about you know how to treat pets and uh, animals because you know people had a much bigger interaction with animals correct uh, you know up until what 300 years ago right and uh, and that has slowly deteriorated, right? Definitely. So, if you're looking at hadiths from 600, 700, uh, from, from publications from 600, 700 years ago, obviously they're going to give a lot of importance uh, to animals because they existed in people's lives. If you're looking at hadiths from Imam Sadiq's time, from Imam Baqa's time, from even, you know, uh, the end of the third century, mm -hmm. uh, you're going to see imams and scholars really talking about animals because they were part of people's lives. So there are many hadith. I'd like to categorize them, if I may, mm -hmm. in a comprehensive manner. 
One is a very simple question. Is it recommended for us to have pets or not? Does that, that's one of the questions that was asked of us as well. And the answer is yes. So if the answer is yes, what kind of pets are recommended? We have many a hadith that speak of, for example, ducks, that speak of chickens and roosters, that speak of cows, that, speaks of, that speak of sheep, that speak of horses, mm. uh, that speak of the red pigeon. Um, so, but if I were to put all the hadith next to each other, I would say they would be the following. Number one, sheep. Number two, cow. And number three, the red pigeon. Okay. Uh, but like I said, chickens and roosters, um, horses. horses, ducks, those are all part of the pets that are recommended in Islam and owned by the Ahlul Bayt. In fact, a person went to Imam Sadiq, I was just seeing this hadith yesterday, and he sees all those red pigeons and they seem like maybe they were disturbing the guy. So mm -hmm. he tried to uh, probably take them out of the room and Imam Sadiq said, leave them. Do not, do not disturb them. Um, you know, they, those animals, being around those animals, it does not disturb me, you know. It gives him joy. It gives him joy. Yeah. Um, third category of a hadith that I would like to talk about is uh, what kind of blessings do animals bring into our lives? Mm -hmm. um, that's from a hadith perspective. I will share my own personal experience and, and, and thought later on. But it says that those animals, for example, if you have a sheep, if you have cow, if you have uh, chickens and roosters, then they bring barakah into your life. A hadith are many that tell us if you spend on a pet, an animal that you own, it's as if you are spending sadaqah, fisabilillah. So a lot of people think that, you know, I'm going to be spending $100 a month or, you know, if you have a lot of animals or you have animals that need special care, you may be spending $2,000 a month. And this is a decrease from my finances. And that is not the case because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Holy Quran states, every dabba, every living creature on the face of this earth comes with their own rizq. That's how that's how it is for people having children. You know, I have right. one child. I don't know if I can afford another one. I have two. I don't know if I can afford a third child. Allah says they come with their own rizq. Mm -hmm. You know, they'll, they will, their barakah will enter your life immediately. We even have, for example, about female children, those who are, you know, girls born into the family, they even come with more rizq than boys. Um, so animals serve the same way. And we have a hadith in regards to that. We will probably take a look at some of them later on. The other category of a hadith that I would like to talk about as well is what are the benefits of having an animal? According to a hadith, it's that the, once we spend on those animals, once we care for them, they will, they will repel evil from our family members. And if evil were to inflict anybody, it would they would be the 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 barrier. The, the barrier. Right. And you know that that to me by itself is is it's amazing. Insurance, basically. Islamic insurance yeah. or spiritual insurance, insurance or God insurance. Yeah. yeah. 
So those are some hadith I wanted to share uh, about owning pets. What are some good pets to own and whatnot? And yeah, we can take a look at other points that. Uh, amazing, insightful to hear about what infallible people uh, had to say about owning pets or any subject for that matter. So that was really good insight. Um, and animals were regarded as tools for a century and just, you know, they, they began domestic, humans began domesticating them and now they're part and parcel of our life, just like family members are. Um, there's been research about the benefits of owning pets uh, when it comes in relation with children. So there was a uh, research done by Porsky and Hendricks. Those are two American psychologists in 1989. And it proved that pet ownership provided young children with um, many benefits, including tactile simulation. So when they pet the animal, you know, it feels good, it helps them with their sensation. Uh, when they watch the pet moving, it teaches them how to crawl and eventually walk. Um, and most importantly, it teaches them about unconditional love and acceptance. Because this animal looks at you and it doesn't judge you, it doesn't put you down. Um, our animals accept us for who we are, they love us unconditionally and they're always going to be loyal. To us so this teaches the children that how they should interact with their family members with other humans and even animals as well and it's proven to teach children you know how to be gentle how to be calm um, how to be generous with what they have feeding the animal giving them toys so on and so forth um, and then one also amazing thing is obviously kids learn nonverbal cues better because animals can't talk to you, but you can tell when they're sad or hungry or, um, so children will start to develop these, these, um, the knowledge for nonverbal cues, looking at someone and just knowing, oh, if they're sad, maybe I should comfort them. So, um, tell us a little bit about what you think the, the benefits of owning pets are in relation to children or to people in general? Um, very good point. Um, I think that only, I mean, I've read many articles about how um, interaction with animals helps a person's emotional and psychological state of being. Right. Meaning there are people who are suffering from depression, there are people who are suffering from loneliness, and for whatever reason, they are away from their families. They cannot, for example, keep in touch with their families. They have lost their families. And pets really come to their rescue. A pet changes their life. A pet takes them out of this, uh, this dark state they're in. And uh, a lot of uh, psychologists actually recommend this for, for you know, for uh, depressed people, for depressed people, anxiety. for people who have anxiety. Um, so this is a form of this is a proven form of therapy. Spending time with animals, um, you know, usually it's dogs, 
I have read and, 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 and I would like the brothers and sisters to search about the therapy that now they're doing with horses. Mm -hmm. Basically just being there around them uh, will, ch will change your state of being. Wow. Um, and there are many articles and I have read many, many articles about this issue. Um, how does it affect a child though and even adults? I mean, I was never uh, able to spend um, time with animals until I realized their, their importance and how they can affect a person. And, and once I did, and I realized how beautiful this world was, um, I realized that, you know, sometimes you even prefer to spend time with your pets versus real human beings. Right. Uh, because they, they, look, they're always honest. Mm -hmm. They're always kind. Um, you know, they to us they're harmless. You know, we we we, we enjoy them, and they enjoy us. You know, um, look at this bird that we have at home right now. You know, yeah. it uh, it wants to. It's a little bird. You would think, oh, it's just a little bird, but it wants to kind of Hang go from one person to another yeah. person. Make sure that you know she's uh, she's Spreading been. You know, she, yeah, and it's just. Uh, it, it's just a you know very small bird that's you know uh, so anyways I want to say that it teaches children that there is goodness out there in the world right God has created those beautiful creatures uh, so we can enjoy them so uh, you know we can share this love with them mm -hmm. um, and you know I'm, I'm I honestly have seen and I have heard uh, people that have pets um, that will tell you we would rather spend time with them than other people. Definitely. And what was the job of the majority of prophets? Yeah, they were shepherds. They were shepherds. I'm right. sure they were spending time with sheep, cows, dogs, dogs mm -hmm. and all sorts of animals. And, uh, you know, being... And, and I feel that once you're out and the suburbs, what once you're out and you know, uh, uh, in in nature and spending time with animals, you really have uh, a better chance of reflecting, thinking, you know, spending time just by yourself, you know, mm -hmm. contemplating. Yeah, that's, you know, we've been talking about the positives and um, of owning pets and talking about it in a positive light, but. We do know that there's obviously problems like pet abuse, and that's an evil and vile thing. It happens though. Some people abuse animals, abuse their pets, and um, I think that's the lowest of the low, you know, hurting defenseless creatures. Um, and I know there's definitely guidelines in our faith on how to interact with animals and how to be kind towards them. Um, can you shed some light about how we, what guidelines are set forth in, when it comes to our interaction with pets and animals? Yes. Indeed, I think, you know, um, it's true that if you look at a Muslim society versus a non-Muslim society, uh, you will find that in a non-Muslim society, there are people who own pets, mm. more pets, than in a Muslim society or a Middle Eastern society. those owners can be and how they abuse those animals and you know how terrible they treat them 
Um, so what does Islam have to say? You know, if you own an animal, do you get to treat it the way you like and you get to abuse it the way you like? Absolutely not. You know, we have a tradition that I, I love. Um, I, I mean, I have read it so many times. It's a long tradition that talks about the fourth Imam's experience going to the pilgrimage, Imam Zain al-Abideen. And uh, Ali ibn al-Hussein ibn Ali, who is, uh, by the way, uh, I am certain that we have people outside our madhab, madhab of the Shi'i madhab, watching mm -hmm. and tuning in, maybe uh, people outside the religion of Islam. So um, we know that those 12 Imams are Imams to us, to us they are infallible, but to our Sunni brothers and sisters, they are respected scholars and figures in Islamic history. Um, so, you know, that's what we have in common and that's why we feel that it is important for us to connect uh, uh, those individuals, uh, connect ourselves to those individuals and how they taught us. Right. And who better than the family of the Prophet who were learning from the Prophet and, uh, for example, the son of Imam Hussein. So he goes to the pilgrimage 25 times and they ask him, and, and he was so kind to his sheikh amal. He owned a sheikh amal. And he would praise the sheikh amal. He would say, oh, this is a good animal. This is a, the, I have been to the pilgrimage 25 times on her back. So one time they saw him and she was slow. Maybe she was not obedient. So they say to him, uh, you know, Yazid al-Abideen, why don't you whip her? Right. Let her move. And he says, I have the whip. Don't think that I'm missing a whip. I don't have a crop. Yeah. But I wonder, should God treat me the same way every time I want to whip her? If I slow down, should I get whipped by God? Wow. And by the ultimate king, by the ultimate honor. And the answer is, oh, of course we don't want that. So I don't want that upon that which I own, that which I control, that, that which I seize. Look at the amount of discipline. By the way, and, and a camel would not feel the whip. I mean, it would right. be a, like a little tiny touch right. uh, compared to, you know, if you just... But even that um, was not used by the imam. We have a very beautiful, mesmerizing, touching a, a hadith from, uh, and, and, and the, from the story of the Prophet Moses. The, the Prophet Moses, when he went to meet with Allah in the 40 days... Right. Uh, that's also mentioned in the Quran. He had a lot of discussions, right? With yeah. Allah. He spoke to Allah. You know, how are they doing? Or And God says they are in punishment. Wow. And Musa is very surprised and he says, why would they be punished? They were amongst the very few people who believed in me. And God says, this person mistreated a cat they trapped a cat mm. for you know it's a long hadith i'll try to summarize it until the cat starved to death wow and they are being punished that's god what god said to moses and he asks then about a person who wasn't religious wasn't a practicing believer mm -hmm. in moses and god says they are enjoying you know my bounties and, and my compassion and my mercy and obviously Moses was surprised again right how is this possible and Allah says that because this person in the middle of the night 
on a rainy, cold day, saw a cat that was not able to move. Maybe she had, you know, hurt herself. Uh, she was limping. She couldn't move. So this person basically took out their outer garment. Mm. You know, maybe they like were wearing a, a coat or a jacket. Put this cat inside that garment. Took the cat home. Treated it. Took care of it. Um, and you know, you don't realize, but animals also prey. Definitely. And they are innocent, you know, creatures. And you know, we 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 would be very un it would be very unwise of us to think that their prayer is not accepted. Right. In fact, um, let me just share a beautiful story with you very sh shortly. They say one day, um, one of the kings um, had. A, 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 a table of food and on that table of food they bought out quails mm. so Delicious. he was sitting with uh, with somebody who had become his uh, one of his uh, 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 members of, of the armed forces mm. but prior to that this guy was uh, a thief <clears throat> and, and a gangster so when they brought out the quills, he started laughing in front of this king. And he, the king said, why are you laughing? He said, because I remember one day I stopped a caravan. And they were begging and pleading for mercy. He did all sorts of bad things to them. And he said, in the end, before I killed the last person in the caravan and took everything that they had away from them, they looked at those quails that were walking. And they said to the quails, be a witness to Allah of what this person is doing to us and you know the quails were probably just walking and, and looking and I'm laughing that this idiot this guy was asking a quail to be his witness and they're eating them right and they're eating the quails and you would not believe it this was that he was the closest person to the king his right hand his aide and the king immediately said, get him up and suffer his head. Wow. So animals do pray. Animals do have a conscious right. consciousness. SubhanAllah. Uh, I've never understood how people could abuse animals. That's like the lowest of the low. Um, there's, there's actually studies that show that people that are violent towards animals are very, very likely to be violent towards humans in mm -hmm. the future. Um, you know, I I know there's a reverence for dogs in Islam. Like Ashab al-Kaf, they had a, the people of the cave, they had a guard dog, uh, which was protecting them. Um, and ma many other stories that you're more knowledgeable uh, in regards to. There's a very, very important question we want to ask today, and everyone has wanted to ask yeah. this question. Everyone wants to own a dog, and they might not be able to. Um, and the, there's, it's a polarizing question, right? There's people on two sides, yes or no, or in the middle. Um, so when it comes to owning a dog as a pet, what's, what's the rundown on that? So basically... Um the whole the holy quran speaks of this animal and let us 
look at the ayat, and then let us look at some hadith, and then we'll try to draw a conclusion. However, from a fiqhi perspective, from purely a fiqhi perspective, I would, I will be discussing uh, this issue in the contemporary Islamic law uh, um, series or a, a series dedicated to law because this obviously is a, is a show or a podcast right. that will be watched by family members, people who are not maybe as familiar with Islamic law, as familiar with how you know uh, detailed examination works. Um, so we will try to make this a little more fun, not as dry, mm -hmm. but once we, we you know, one, in, in one of those episodes, I promise my viewers that I will be talking about this whole concept. Okay. Why is it that, you know, some scholars believe dogs are najis, mm -hmm. and the majority, the vast majority of the Shi'i scholars, yeah. and why is it that some schools believe it's not najis? within the Shi'i schools of thought, within the Shi'i school of thought and the followers of Ahl al-Bayt, are there scholars that differentiate between dogs and, and them being uh, najis or not? That's something that we will discuss, inshallah. Um, so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, chapter 5, number, chapter 5, Surah Al-Ma'idah, verse number 4, says, يَسْأَلُونَ كَمَادَ أُحِلَّ لَهُمْ قُلْ أُحِلَّ لَكُمُ الطَّيِّبَاتُ وَمَا عُلِّمْتُمْ مِنَ الْجَوَارِحِ مُكَلِّبِينَ تُعَلِّمُوهُنَّ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, amongst the food that you're allowed to consume is the food that you hunt. So basically they used to hunt animals and the animal falls, let's say it's a bird or whatever it may be, uh, or a deer, and the dog then runs, you've seen this on TV, then the dog runs and holds that animal down and the, the, the person then goes and sacrifices the animal. Uh, by saying Bismillah or by, you know, by, uh, by putting them towards the Qibla and whatnot. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then allows them to consume the ones that died before the, the person arrived. So the, the, the dog is holding this animal and you get there and the animal's dead. You know, let's say it's a bird. You say Bismillah and you shoot this bird or you shoot this animal. And by the time you get there, it's dead. This dog is holding it down. So Allah here recognizes the, uh, the dog being an aid in hunting for human beings. By the way, let me tell you this. Hunting in Islam is haram and it's forbidden. You cannot hunt or kill animals for pleasure like they do in the West. You know, going out hunting, killing animals and not eating them. We are only allowed to hunt as much as we eat, as much as we need uh, in our diet. So um, if we need, for example, two fish, that's how much we have to fish. If we need one sheep for the next two months, that's how much sheep we can kill. And similarly, inshallah, uh, we will be talking about that in a, in a later discussion, that can we consume animals all the time? Can we keep on slaughtering animals and, and eating them? And the answer is no, inshallah, we'll speak about that in another episode. So here, the, the Mufassireen, the scholars talk about a certain dog called Al-Kalb Al-Mu'allam or Kalb Al-Sayd. The, the dog that has, uh, the learned dog or the dog that follows instructions. So when they define this dog, they say it's a dog that, you know, when you tell it to come, it comes, go, go. When it sit you know it sits you know basically a, a dog that has been um, uh, taught to behave around human beings 
And this dog, this particular dog, has its own set of rules. Um, and we will talk about that. And another ayah, in chapter 7, Surah Al-A'raf, verse 176, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, There, uh, the example of some people, according to the Quran, the example of some people is like dogs. If you behave friendly towards them, they will keep on hurting you. They will keep on barking. If you are an enemy to them, they will keep on barking. This is, uh, uh, this is uh, an example that has been used in the Arabic language that we need to understand. It still does not put down this animal. What do I mean? The Quran is saying, you know how when dogs are happy, they bark? But when they're sad, what do they do? They still they bark. Still bark yeah. when, when they are hungry, they bark. And when they are happy, they bark. Their bark is different. They act different. When they are angry and they, when, when they want to attack, they still bark. But there's different barking, obviously. So Allah is not really, you know, uh, belittling the animal, this animal that He has created, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is belittling those people that whether you're good to them or bad to them, whether you're kind to them or you're not, uh, then they still treat you bad. Um, and obviously the most important verses that speak of dogs uh, in the Holy Quran is chapter 18, Surah Al-Kahf, the cave. The dog is I think mentioned three times in Surah Al-Kahf, but I have chosen 1818. وَتَحْسَبُهُمْ أَيْقَاظًا وَهُمْ رُقُودٍ وَنُقَلِّبُهُمْ Allah speaks of the, the seven sleepers of the cave and how their dog protected them, how their dog was their best friend, how their dog, basically, they took this dog with them that, you know, they escaped the city and this dog went around with them and he protected them and, and this dog's, uh, important role in their lives and in protecting them that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would then mention the dog and their dog was the one that sat there protecting them the whole time while they were in the cave um, which is a praise obviously to this animal um, now we have when it comes to uh, the fiqhi perspective, let's talk about that a little bit and obviously, like I said, we'll, we'll, we'll elaborate on that if we have uh, fiqhi discussions. Is a dog najis or tahir? Some scholars say the dog itself, in its innate nature, is najis. Now, why is that, you know, a downgrade to the, no, you know, we, the blood in our veins is najis, but does that mean it's something bad? Um, you know, uh, other things that I don't want to mention now are also nudges right. uh, from a human's body, mm -hmm. uh, but not all of them are bad. You right. know? So uh, uh, that is also something that we need to talk about in, in, in a different setting. Some people believe it is only the saliva, some scholars I mean, believe only it is the saliva of the dog that is nudges and not his body or the rest of the dog. And some peep, some scholars believe that the hair of the dog and the nails of the dog is tahir, if it's not wet. So, for example, you would think that we have a complete consensus that a dog is najis, but we don't. In fact, the Sheikh al-Saduq 
believed that this dog that mm -hmm. is disciplined, right. that is domesticated, that you know goes out with for hunting with with his owner is Tahar. That's you know one of our scholars. So we will talk about that in a in a in the episode that we will be talking about the fiqh jurisprudential laws. Okay. Uh, and obviously at this stage nobody sh can or should follow Sheikh al-Saduq and their opinion and say, well, I have a dog in Islam. How do you follow? Okay. You know your marja, you follow the guidelines. We don't want to create this division. Uh, no, no. What I want to say is, you know, as soon as you start uh, uh, basically telling people what's in books or or other opinions of scholars and what have you, mm -hmm. they ultimately think they have to now stop following their current scholars. Oh, and that's not what I am okay. trying to promote here. Um, so basically, um, uh, having a dog. Right. Uh, let's talk about that. You know, we talked about the ayat now. We talked about some jurisprudential laws. Is Islam against dogs? Absolutely not. In fact, you and everybody and, and most people have heard the uh, the uh, the famous hadith that Imam Hussein went to one of his gardens, mm -hmm. and there he had a slave, and he saw that the slave is taking a bite out of his food. And then throwing it one, throwing one to the guard dog of the the dog that was protecting the the garden, mm -hmm. and Imam Hussein stood there and he asked permission to enter. So the slave says to him, "Ya Abna Rasulullah, this is your garden. I am your slave. This dog place belongs to you. Why would you seek permission?" He says, "No. After I saw what you had done to that dog, I freed you, fi sabilillah, and I have." made you the owner of this bistan and today i am coming to you as my guest as your guest imagine how beloved that act of kindness to that animal was that imam hussein ends up being so generous in return and yeah. and giving all that bistan away to um, all, all, all that garden away to uh, to his servant so i think that's enough said about dogs right. you you know uh, can you pet a dog yes you can can you have a dog you know, and if you have a big house and you have you know a large back backyard, or you have a little dog house for that dog, um, is that okay? There's I don't see anything wrong with it, unless then you fall into problems of you know my kids are, uh, you know there's saliva on their shirts or or their clothes, and they come home and they wanna, you know if you can go through the discipline of changing your entire outfit, you know doing tahara in the areas that need to be tahara. Um, and all the rest of the headache, yeah. then be it. You know. Uh, other yeah. than that, I I recommend that you try to take another animal as a pet that will not come with so much uh, limitations. Correct. Uh, in fact, even if a, a dog was taha, I want to say this is you know I think they are the hardest animals to to have because of the fact that they get so attached and you get Correct. so attached to them and you know they're the human's best friend. Right. So losing them, it's like losing a family member, right. a, a friend, you know, and, and they get so attached to you and they're so loyal to you that I think they really make heart, life difficult, you know. Uh, even when you travel, I know dog owners that when they travel, you know, they, 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 can't, they suffer because they're right. away from their pet and the dog also suffers. Definitely. Yeah. We, we've been talking about uh, conventional pets, you know, like regular pets that you would think of owning, um, dogs or horses or um, you know other animals but let's talk about exotic pets so there's this show on
hundreds and hundreds of tigers. Um, and there's a crazy, crazy fact that I read on the BBC that says that there's more tigers living in the United States than in the wild, which is obviously Africa and other places where uh, tigers are native to. So when I think of that, that, that boggles my mind. You know, there's more tigers in the United States, especially being domesticated by these kind of people that are... Uh, uh, I just urge people to watch the trailer or read articles about that show. Um, so when it comes to owning exotic pets, we know people have like gators, pythons, tarantulas, tigers, lions. Um, what do you think about that? How do you feel about exotic pets? You know, honestly, I, I have mixed feelings, to be honest. Yeah. I definitely saw the trailer for this show and uh, I think two episodes we watched it together because I wanted to have some insight on what's going on and I don't like the show. I mean, I yeah. don't like the people in it. I think they are very abusive to animals. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, uh, those animals need to live in the wild, right? Right. It's what, you know, this is very selfish, very selfish. And I don't even know how it's legal. You know, some things in America are legal that are mind-boggling. So it's actually easier to own a tiger in some states than owning a dog. There you go. So, you know, it's uh, crazy. And within that show, uh, and if you research, you will see a lot of people die uh, right. or they lose limbs because they basically interact with those animals. Right. Um, probably not the sole owner, but other people. Somehow something goes wrong and, you know, some, yeah. some person ends up getting killed or, or hurt. Um, so, you know, why would you want that? Why would you want to bring such pets in your home? that will number one scare so many people correct you know imagine you have a, a tiger or a, a lion yeah I, I assume that's pretty cool yeah. makes you look cool but then nobody wants to come to your house yeah i personally i mean i love lions i just love looking at like videos of lions and even Definitely. tigers but i mean i wouldn't want them as a pet for sure right um, I think that they're more beautiful out in the wild. They're more beautiful being, you know, the king of the jungle. Yeah. Uh, God put them there for a reason. Yeah. You know? I don't think they should be domesticated. So I, I, I'm not sure if there's really anything cool about it when I really look at how, uh, you know, what, you know, when you put the whole perspective with whole pieces of the puzzle. I, right. I'm not sure if I find it uh, cool anymore. Yeah. And it's probably not the right thing to do in, in yeah. uh in terms of maybe Islamically, I don't know. Uh, what's your favorite animal? Like, in general, not owning as a pet first, just generally, what's your favorite animal? What's your favorite animal? Um, I would say the falcon, the falcon bird. It's very majestic. Um, it's amazing. <laughs> so there's these people that train them and they, yeah. they hunt, they fly and hunt. Um, I'd love to own one, probably not going to happen, but um, domesticated animal, probably dog or bird, parrot, uh, cockatiel, things like that. Um, My favorite animal, like I said, is the lion, but if I were to choose the... Obviously, you know, that's just uh, an animal, and the, and yeah. the animal, he's the king of the jungle, so he's right. got to be a, a lot of people's favorite, but my, my favorite animal is the horse. Okay. 
Uh, you know, I love spending time with horses and just looking at horses. I think they're very majestic animals. They're blessed animals, um, mm -hmm. even in, in the religion of Islam. Uh, you know, for example, uh, we're going to be talking more about that in the episode where we talk about sports and living healthy. Mm -hmm. uh, but, um, you know, that's a sport that the religion of Islam, the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa and the Imams emphasized on this. Uh, the you know, team with man plus horse, and uh, and I think uh, that um, you know that's something that we need to uh, uh, further read in, into those ahadith and into those uh, traditions. For example, one of the most beautiful, beautiful ahadith is from Amir al-Mu'minin that says uh, a horse has two prayers, mm -hmm. uh, one in the morning that says, Oh Allah, increase in the sustenance of my owner. And like I said, you know, the animals that I was accepted. Right. I know some people who own horses and they tell me that, you know, our rizq has changed. You know, the, the first dua of the animal, of, of the horse, is increase in the rizq of my owner. And the second is make me more beloved in the afternoon. Make me more beloved to my owner. Oh, that's cute. Uh, and... You know, like I said, you know, we have to talk about the du'as of other creatures, uh, other creation of Allah, such as even the plants. Right. You know, they have their tasbih as well. They have their glorification of the Lord. And inshallah, you know, we'll talk about all those things in another episode. Uh, we need to do, t we do need to take some questions. Yeah. Let's, uh, um, that so are, uh, from the audience, one was, uh, I, I remember one. Uh, was about cat hair. Right. Uh, sorry, let me see here. Cats, can we keep cats? Um, okay, I think people can still hear us and we're fine. Yeah. Um, so the... The... Uh, The people want to know about cats. Yeah, seems. so let me just uh, answer that. Um, so cat hair. Right. Sayyidul Khoi and the majority of the Malaja believe that if there's cat hair on you, you cannot pray with that, with those clothes on. You have to remove the cat hair. Mm -hmm. However, interestingly, Sayyidul Sistani does not believe in that. Sayyidul Sistani oh. looks at those hadith as like if you created a shirt out of cat hair. Uh, or Or... <laughs> Or you know something in those long yeah. uh, along those a lines where you had a cat rug, yeah. yeah. Then you cannot uh, pray on that. But if yeah. you know it's just a couple of hairs of a cat on your shirt or your cloth or your prayer mat, then it's okay for you, according to say the Sistani, okay. uh, to to conduct that salah. Uh, 